a well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We obviously are going to be talking about the shooting in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday, in which 19 elementary school children were killed. Two teachers were killed. A grandmother shot and in critical condition. The uh, 18-year-old mass murderer killed at the scene, apparently by law enforcement. And in the hours since we've learned of this attack, there have already been calls from the president on down to act quickly. Uh, Even though we don't know all of the facts, we don't know what, if anything, could have been done to uh, prevent this individual from carrying out his attack beforehand. Uh, But we're going to be talking about the political reaction, particularly from the left, the Evaldi shooting here on today's Cam and Company, because I ran across a comment from Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy that I found very interesting. And it's a comment that is is only in a a few stories. This came from an Associated Press story, but uh, not all of the Associated Press coverage I have seen actually uh, references this particular comment from the Connecticut senator. Uh, The Associated Press reported that a gutted Senator Chris Murphy took to the Senate floor on Tuesday, demanded that lawmakers accomplish what they failed to do after 20 children, mostly six or seven years old, and six educators in Newtown, Connecticut, died on December 14, 2012. Congress has been unable to pass substantial gun violence legislation since the collapse of a bipartisan Senate effort in the aftermath of that massacre. What are we doing? Murphy asked. The Democrat who represented in Newtown during his time as a U.S. congressman urged his colleagues to find a compromise. Quote, I'm here on this floor to beg, to literally get down on my hands and knees, to beg my colleagues, find a path forward here, work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. Now, that's an important sentence. Because based on what we know right now, the background check bill that Chris Murphy is calling for would not have had an impact. In this shooting, the 18-year-old suspect, apparently not prohibited by law uh, from purchasing two rifles, one of which apparently was uh, at least on his person during the attack. Governor Greg Abbott says that there was a handgun that was used in the attack as well. Current law uh, already provides that if you are buying a firearm at retail, uh, federal law, you have to be 21 years of age if that firearm is a handgun. Uh, Again, we don't know. All of the details about how this individual acquired a firearm or uh, multiple firearms. But it does appear as if that uh, individual uh, was not prohibited by law from doing so. So background checks as a reaction to this horrific shooting in in, uh, Texas doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're actually trying to prevent these types of attacks. But again, Chris Murphy said something that I found very interesting. He said, quote, I don't understand why people here think we're powerless. We aren't. Murphy said that he is, quote, so willing to bend over backwards to find compromise on the legislation. Quote, I want these, I want to show these, or want to show this country that we care. I want to show the country that we care. Which, to me makes Chris Murphy's proposed background check legislation in response to this horrific, I don't even call it crime, an atrocity. The legislative 
version of what the left derides as thoughts and prayers, right? Because what, what does the left think about people saying, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm praying for the families. I'm praying for the victims. Well, that's just virtue signaling, right? That's just, you, know, you just want to show that you care, but you don't want to do anything. Well, here's Chris Murphy saying, I want to do something, in this case, pass gun control legislation, to show the country that we care. Not necessarily do the things that need to be done to actually prevent this type of atrocity from happening, but to show that we care. And I have a problem with that. I have no problem whatsoever, by the way, talking about gun control. I don't believe that gun control is the answer here, but I have no problem talking about it. But what bothers me is that Democrats like Chris Murphy, uh, Chuck Schumer, Dick Durbin, I mean, Joe Biden, have decided and will always decide that these events matter because a gun was used, right? That's the focus. It's on the gun. So it's not on mental health. It's not on school security. It's not on, frankly, things that uh, may very well lie beyond the purview of lawmakers. Uh, a sickness in the soul as opposed to a weakness in the laws. But again, if the goal for Chris Murphy is to show that we care by passing gun control legislation, I'd say that's not reason to pass gun control legislation. You know, not to sound uncaring, but if we really are going to respond to an atrocity like this, the legislation, shouldn't that legislation have some sort of passing reflection on the incident at hand? And shouldn't lawmakers be able to promote their policy choice with something other than, well, at least it shows we care. You know, since 2012, several states across the country have imposed universal background check measures. Denver, Colorado, actually yeah, not Denver, Colorado, but just the state of Colorado, passed universal background checks in 2013. Not only has that not prevented mass shootings from taking place in that state. We had the King Super shooting in Boulder uh, just last year. We had the uh, Highland Ranch STEM shooting uh, before that. But violent crime overall in the state of Colorado has gone up dramatically since the passage of universal background checks. New Mexico passed universal background checks in 2019. And since then, violent crime, including quote-unquote gun violence, has increased dramatically across the state as well. The number of prosecutions, by the way, for violating the state's universal background check law, well, within the first year, the number of prosecutions was zero. Uh, I am not aware of any prosecutions in the year since. Washington State, universal background check laws imposed, I believe, in 2016. Violent crime, higher now than it was before the passage of universal background check laws. Again, I have 
constitutional problems with the gun control proposals from folks like Chris Murphy. But even if I didn't have a problem uh, with these laws infringing on law-abiding citizens' civil rights, I wouldn't be in favor of a background check bill uh, as a legislative response to crimes like this because that law doesn't touch the type of criminal who would carry out a mass murder of elementary school children. It just doesn't. But we are going to have this gun control debate. Democrats have seized on this. Uh, They believe that they can ride the emotions inherent in the slaughter of a classroom of fourth graders. Uh, If not to a blue wave in November to at least help stem the tide of what looks to be a uh, dominant election cycle for Republicans. We saw this on Tuesday night when President Biden addressed the nation and within minutes uh, turned from offering prayers and support for the grieving families in Uvalde to attacking gun manufacturers and the gun lobby and saying that we must act and implying that if you don't go along with the Democrats' gun control proposals, you don't care about kids. That somehow your guns matter more to you than the lives of innocent schoolchildren. It is, as I described uh, in a post on Tuesday night, it was vintage Biden. Callous, calculated politics entwined with genuine compassion. I I believe that Biden has genuine compassion for those families. But Biden also knows that events like this have the potential to move the political needle. And he is more than willing to exploit this atrocity for the Democrats' political fortunes. I think it's gross. I think it's unwise. I think it is entirely unhelpful uh, to help uh, bring this country closer together. I won't even say unify, but just to bring us a little bit closer together. But again, it's par for the course. So we will continue to cover this political fight. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin says that uh, no votes will be held before the Memorial Day recess. Senator Chuck Schumer has uh, put two House-passed gun control bills, including a a universal background check bill, uh, on the Senate calendar for consideration. But there's no timeline as to when those votes could come up. I would not be surprised if they come up next week. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing uh, for uh, ATF nominee Steve Dettelbach taking place. Uh, That may be expedited. You might get a vote in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, coming up as early as next week and maybe bring that nomination onto the floor of the Senate. Uh, That might be another area where uh, someone like Senator Joe Manchin, who has said uh, he is not in favor of nuking the filibuster in order to uh, get more gun control laws on the books. Uh, Manchin, if he had objections to Dettelbach, this is one of those things where, you know, you do some political horse trading, right? 
Uh, I'm not going to go along with you and nuking the filibuster, but I'll vote for your ATF nominee, even though I might have some concerns about him. Uh, I think that the, uh, again, just speaking from a pure political viewpoint here, I think that the shooting in Uvalde probably does bolster the chances of Steve Dettelbaugh getting confirmed as ATF director, if for no other reason than it provides senators an excuse or a, a reason to say, look, I did something, quote unquote, whether or not that's something that actually makes a difference, whether it matters, very much a different question. All right. We're going to turn our attention now. Uh, normally, you know, we do our uh, good deed of the day, our recidivist report uh, and our armed citizen story. Today, we're just going to stick with an armed citizen story. Um, case out of Kansas City, where prosecutors have determined that a Kansas woman who shot and killed her husband did so in self-defense. And I have to say, the only question I have after learning about this case is what took them so long? It was almost eight months ago, October 16th, 2021, when this woman, who uh, is not being named because she was a domestic violence victim in this case, called 911 and uh, told the uh, 911 operator that she had shot her husband in the chest. The uh, Leavenworth County Sheriff's Department sent deputies out in response. When they got there, uh, they found her holding a pistol and a cell phone. Deputies said that her mouth was bloody. Her left eye was almost swollen shut. She had injuries to her face, to her ribs, uh, a uh, possible broken ankle as well. When deputies went inside, they found her husband lying on the ground near the door. He was still alive at that point. According to the deputies, he, uh, quote, made an obscene comment and gesture to the respondent officers when they tried to give him first aid. He later passed away from his injuries. The woman says that uh, over the course of their 16-year marriage, her husband had become increasingly physically and verbally abusive and had beaten her in the days before she shot him. Uh, he had been gone for a couple of weeks and arrived back home on October 14th. She says he began drinking and verbally abusing her again. He continued drinking on October the 15th, became, quote, heavily intoxicated and erratic. Uh, at one point, she says she tried to go to sleep. She woke up to him shaking the bed. He then, according to her, began hitting her dogs, and when she tried to protect them, he hit her. Then he allegedly gave her a gun and told her to shoot him. Uh, he left the room. She hid the gun. She says when he returned, the physical abuse continued at one point, throwing her up against the wall, dragging her to the living room where he hit her so hard, she says she doesn't remember anything. She says she woke up as he placed her on the couch. He then put another handgun to her head and threatened to kill her and fired a shot into the couch. At one point, he got a shower curtain and a sleeping bag and forced her to lay on it with him. He said he was going to burn down the house, kill her father, burn her, and then kill himself. He left the room again, allegedly to go into the garage to get a gas can. And that's when she grabbed the gun that she had hidden in her bedroom. And she tried to leave. She tried to run out the front door, she told investigators. She says her husband grabbed her by the ankle, then dragged her back into the house by her hair, pinning her against the wall, holding her throat. And when she felt like she was losing consciousness, and he began to hit her again, she says that's when she pulled the gun out and fired until, quote, it was just clicking. Deputies noted uh, 
that the bedroom in the home showed signs of a struggle. They found blood on the walls, on the bed. They found the sleeping bag. They found the shower curtain on the floor. They found a bullet hole in the couch. They found gas cans in the kitchen. Again, no evidence that this woman's story was false in any way, shape, or form. And the district attorney in Leavenworth County uh, said that, quote, there's no issue in proving that the woman committed a homicide. The issue of consideration is, did the woman act in self-defense? The torture she described in the days and immediate minutes before she shot equated to self-defense. I completely agree. I would think that any reasonable person would be in fear of their life or great bodily injury at that point. And I'm glad that she was able to protect herself. This is a horrible situation, an absolute tragedy. But thankfully, she is alive today. Again, I just can't figure out why it took until late May for prosecutors to determine that, uh, yes, this indeed was a case of self-defense. We don't have any answers as to why it took that long. But uh, again, this woman in Kansas no longer has to worry about uh, facing charges of homicide for killing her abusive husband in self-defense. Now, listen, um, tomorrow I am scheduled to be on an airplane to fly to Houston, Texas for the interannual meeting. Um, I'm assuming that that is going to be the case. Uh, so we may have a show tomorrow. I may be able to put something together before we uh, uh, go wheels up. Um, my concern is that I do something that is outdated by the time it uh, gets up and running because I will have to tape a little bit earlier than uh, than normal. So I can't make a promise that we will have a show on Thursday, but we are going to have plenty of coverage uh, from the NRA annual meeting in Houston, Texas this weekend uh, if it goes off as scheduled. That is another open question right now. Uh, but uh, regardless of whether the NRA annual meeting continues, whether it is curtailed, whether it is scaled back, uh, we will be talking about it, letting you know one way or the other. I'd encourage you to check out bearingarms.com uh, throughout the holiday weekend. We will be uh, busy posting news stories because, again, there is a lot going on right now. Um, and we will be covering as much of it as we possibly can uh, on the ground. Uh, in Houston, Texas, if the NRA meeting does take place. Uh, Friday, supposed to be the NRA ILA Leadership Forum featuring uh, former President Donald Trump, as well as Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Texas Senators John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, uh, Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw is scheduled to speak, among others. Again, a lot of this, I imagine, is in flux right now, uh, but we will try to keep you abreast of all of the developments as they happen here on Cam and Company and at bearingarms.com. You know, again, I hate how this conversation goes after one of these shootings, not because I don't want to talk about gun control. I talk about gun control every day. I hate how this conversation goes because we do turn to the politics. And even though someone like Joe Biden can talk about the pain and the grief that these families are feeling with, uh, again, I believe genuine compassion entwined with callous political considerations. We quickly lose focus 
um, of these individuals and the lives that have been changed. So I know Democrats are saying F your thoughts and prayers right now. But I can tell you just from my own experience, having lost one of my own children less than two months ago, an adult child to be sure. I'm not trying to compare the two things, but I will say, I will only say this. In the midst of my grief and my pain and my sorrow, which is still a daily presence in my life since the loss of my son, the prayers, the kind words, the empathy that has been shown to me and my family has not been meaningless. It has not been vacuous. It has mattered. And on some days, it has made a difference uh, in helping to keep my head above water. So I would encourage you, uh, as we go forward, as gun owners, as Second Amendment activists, as those who don't believe that criminalizing our right to keep and bear arms is the way to make us safe, I would encourage you to not give in to the the rage mob who wants us to be angry at each other, who wants us to be furious with one another, who wants us to view each other as our existential enemies. And try to find a way. It may be very easy for, for some of you, may be difficult for some of you, but try to find a way to have that empathy, to show your love and support, regardless of what the haters have to say about it. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Again, I want to thank you for being a part of the program. I look forward to talking to you again, hopefully tomorrow. But if not, perhaps at some point over the weekend. And uh, we certainly will be continuing our coverage again at BearingArms.com. I'd also encourage you to check out BearingArms.com slash subscribe if you would like to become a VIP member. Not only will you be supporting the Independent Pro Second Amendment Journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but we would like to say thank you by giving you exclusive content, news stories, analysis that you won't get anywhere else. Because your support does make a difference. It does matter. We really thank you for it. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.